Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome to Believe in Miami Heat for another week, and what a week it was, not just for your Miami Heat, but for the entire NBA. COVID has officially run wild on the association and has taken no exception with the Miami Heat, causing Miami to play its last two games with just eight players, including tonight. I am recording this immediately after the Heat's second loss in a row to the Philadelphia 76ers, the first time the Heat have lost back-to-back games this season. So I guess that's a positive. I guess that's a positive. Second time in a row losing to the Sixers with just eight players. Uh, And this, by the way, with the Sixers just getting their players back from missing a number of games due to COVID. You might recall last week, the Sixers had to dress an injured Mike Scott just to have eight players active to play a game that they really only had seven healthy players. This COVID situation, it's running rampant across the league. Games are getting postponed. Players are testing positive. I think I read something like 16 or 17 players have tested positive over the last seven days in the NBA. And despite all of that, the NBA says the show must go on. And that includes the Heat because the Heat have had the required eight healthy players. So we are now back-to-back games where the Miami Heat have lost the Sixers, including Thursday night when this is being recorded, 125-108. And look, it's it's no no fault of their own. The Heat are, since we last spoke, the Heat are now... They're one and two over the last week. And that, of course, is because their fourth game they're supposed to play against the Celtics was on Sunday. That was postponed due to the COVID situation. The Heat beat the Wizards on Saturday before that postponed Celtics game. So it has been it has been a wild, wild week for the Miami Heat. Hard to really evaluate games where you only have eight players. I'm gonna do my best. I'm probably not gonna look at it from a team standpoint. What was good from the team, what was bad. Probably look at it from a player standpoint. Did we learn anything from some of our players? I have a few guys. I have some takeaways from a few of the players that actually played in these games that I think are positives that the Heat can take from this week. Oh, and by the way, Kyrie Irving hasn't played basketball in a week for the Brooklyn Nets. So the Nets went out and got insurance and traded for James Harden, which does directly impact Heat Nation because, hey, Tyler Hero's not going anywhere, I guess, right? At least for the time being, the James Harden situation is off the table for Miami. Some Heat fans will be happy. Some Heat fans won't. The way Tyler Hero played over the last week or so, I think a lot of people, especially down here in South Florida, are going to be very, very happy. So I'm going to go through the past week for the Heat. I'm going to go through the past week for the NBA, talk a little bit about what it all means for the Heat and the association, the Eastern Conference specifically, right now. But first, the Super Bowl is right around the corner. If you're looking for a place to bet on any sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. In fact, as I'm recording this podcast, immediately after the Heat lost to the Sixers, I actually am trying to take some of BetOnline's money right now. I got a decent little bet going. Houston Moneyline in their first game without James Harden against the Spurs. Houston's winning right now. I got the Hornets 
plus 10 for some reason against the Raptors. I know Gordon Hayward was out tonight, but come on, plus 10. The Raptors stink. And, of course, the Hornets are down by 11 with five minutes left in the game. So we'll see how that goes. Either way, I think I think I got something going there. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always, always, there is always, like 24 hours a day, seven days a week always, the online casino. It never closes. Like I said, that's the 24-7 thing. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Bet online. They are your online sports book experts. All right. So, what can we take away from a week where, well, a week and and when I say week, I mean a week since the last time I rec- I recorded for you guys. Right. It was. I I apologize. I usually do Wednesdays. I did Thursday this week because I wanted to get in both of these Philly COVID games and I wanted to sort of try to encapsulate this week as a whole. So I did it one day later. I apologize. I know consistency is a big thing in this game. I intend to do Wednesdays for the most part, but I thought this was a good time to get both these games. So the last time that we that I recorded and spoke to you guys was last Wednesday night when the Heat were coming off of a 107-105 loss to the Boston Celtics. And obviously, as I've already mentioned, since then they have they went one and two, beating the Wizards one twenty eight one twenty four, um, and then game with Boston gets postponed, and then losing back to back games against Philly. So we could probably start with the first Philly game, right? I mean, I, I, what you saw in that game, I mean, the the Sixers were still a little shorthanded, but the Heat. I would say if there's any takeaway before I get into, I have four players that I'm going to highlight from these, particularly the past two games, but the last week as a whole. But if there's anything you can take away from the past two games from the Heat, it's that if any team, not that you're ever prepared to do something like this, right? To have a global pandemic knock out half your team and your core players, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic. But if any team is built to handle a situation like this, even though they lost both games, it is the Heat. And I think that was on full display. But I think a lot of teams would, you know, guys get their opportunity and they play hard. But eventually, you know, most of the time when you, a lot of times when you have shorthanded and you're missing your stars, when you get smacked in the mouth a little bit in games, you, you fade. And it's understandable. It's hard. These guys don't play these kind of minutes. They don't, they're not put in these situations often, so you can get tired and you can get down and, oh, now we don't have Jimmy, we don't have Bim. Uh, but what you saw on Tuesday night in that overtime game was a, a team of young, hungry guys who are part of a culture that when they, you know, the cliche is next man up and every team says next man up when they have, when they're shorthanded or they have injuries or any of that, but the Heat, they clearly take this thing to heart and uh, I think it also shows that you know all of the lore about conditioning and and player development and all that it's real, man. The, these guys, they're always th- just being part of the Heat, um, the Heat program. It prepares you and keeps you ready, and you and you got to be ready to go. And that game on Tuesday, 
you know, the Heat had a really good chance to win that game, but you can't take anything away from them for even being in it, particularly when you think about Joel Embiid, what he did with 45 points in that game, and he's having an MVP caliber season. So, you know, you got to give hats off to this team. It's basically a bunch of young guys and Andre Iguodala and Kelly Olynyk basically playing against uh, a team that before their last few games when they had COVID, with the COVID situation, two weeks into the season, this was the best defensive team in the NBA. They they were number one in defensive efficiency for, for a few weeks up until the last couple weeks, and the Heat scored 134 points on Tuesday against them. That's, not, I mean, you obviously, like I said, as a team, it's hard to really say, oh, this is a, a plus or a minus because this is not the team you're, this is not the squad you're rolling out on a night-to-night basis going forward. Uh, many of these guys will not play nearly the minutes they played in these games or play at all, potentially, probably. But I think it just shows the heart and determination uh, to an extent that in the eighth game of the season, ninth game of the season, when you could really just go out there and not really play that hard or take a night off or, or anything like that, you go out and and play your asses off to try to compete and continue to win. It's because in a shortened season, in a 72-game season, and this is the this is the truly, you know, this is the, the part where these shorthanded games, you know, I think the league probably needed to, I don't know, maybe they, they I know they, they put out, uh, new protocols and stricter protocols, but maybe this, this eight man roster thing was something that needed to be rethought because it's not even just about guys being tired or not having a competitive being competitive. It's just 72 game season. Everyone says, Oh, it's a long season. It's a long season. But now we've, now the heat have played 10 games. They're four and six. It's a rough start to the year. Uh, and there's 10 less games to make that up. And potentially, who knows, the second half of the season hasn't even been scheduled. Who knows what's going to happen with all of this if they can't get this thing under control. So these games, uh, it's unfortunate to lose them, but it, it's not the end of the world. You can obviously still come back. And we'll talk about the next week of games, which is a big opportunity for the Heat going forward. But um, it is a positive to see that you have guys that can compete and potentially win in these situations because you never know when you're going to be in this situation again this year. And I would argue that the way the Heat played the past two games, even with these eight guys, they they would beat half the teams in the NBA. So from that standpoint, in a season like this where you just never know, that's a big positive, I think, for the Heat to take away from this game. Uh, and normally I would go positives and negatives. Like in a, in a week where the Heat won one and lost two, I would do positives and negatives, but there's no point in doing, you know, things to work on or negatives from the games because again, eight players, what what can you say? I mean, how can you knock a team for going out there and, and playing the way they played these past two games with eight players depleted roster? And, and I know this last game was basically a blow, but the Sixers, the only player the Sixers were missing in this one was Seth Curry. The rest of their starting lineup and most of their players were there. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's really my takeaway as a team. Now, I said, like I said, there's four guys that I really, I wanted to talk about and, and sort of highlight from one over the past week 
of games, meaning the Washington game and the two Philly games. And then the other three guys I want to highlight from these past two games against Philly. So first things first, Tyler Hero. Um, and, and I mentioned it off the top, the the James Harden trade and all the speculation and would he be gone? Would they make a deal for James Harden? Um, and he would have been, you know, the key piece. And it's been a point of contention among Miami Heat fans. Uh, what I think we saw from Tyler Hero, and it's we sort of we saw it in the bubble, and he played really well in the bubble. But the guy truly does have the makings of a go-to scorer in the NBA. Back to back thirty-point games for the first time in his career. Um, thir- I want to say he over the last three games, averaging now twenty-seven points. Seven rebounds. His rebounding is just absurd. It's a, it's a, it's sort of like a beautiful thing to watch a guy, a guard, rebound the way he does. Forty nine percent from the field, and here's a key that I talked about on the last show, and it's almost like Tyler Hero was listening to the podcast. On the last show, I mentioned how Tyler Hero went to the free throw line five times against Boston in the loss. And I said that the offense didn't look very good. Heat's offense hasn't looked very good. And one of the keys is going to be Tyler Hero becoming either the first or second option as a scorer. And the next step in his development as a scorer, as a high-level scorer in the NBA, is to get to the free throw line. Because he was averaging, at that point, 1.5, 1.7 free throw attempts per game. Uh, against Washington, he took eight free throws. And the first game against Philly, he took eight free throws, and those were back-to-back 30-point games. And that's a big development. Uh, he told he only took three in the second game against Philly that they just lost tonight. Not a huge deal. It was a blowout. I, I was sort of thinking it was going to be a blowout because it's just a tough— uh, even, even on one, one-and-a-half day's rest for these guys who don't play these kind of minutes to, uh, to play these kind of minutes— it was going to be tough. So I wasn't expecting a ton out of the heat, to be honest, in this game. Tyler still played pretty well. You know, he still finished the game six, seven of 16 from the field, six rebounds again, 17 points. Uh, but there's only so much you can ask from the kid uh, in, in a game like this. But the key to me is those back-to-back 30-point games and his ability. And he is showing now that you can give him the ball and, and against – at least Philly, you know, Washington is a bad team and didn't have their best players. But against Philly, you can go out there and say, hey, go get us a bucket. And especially when the three best players on the team are back. Um, I think that the idea that he can go out and as the guy that the other team knows is going to go get buckets, go out there and do what he did, especially in a variety of ways. He gets to the rim. He has the mid-range game. He can obviously shoot the three. Uh, now he's getting to the free throw line. It's a big. It's a step up for him in a year where he was very much struggling. So I actually said to somebody the other day, and I and I still contend this a, a little bit. I think this past week, everything that's gone on with the Heat over this past week, in some ways there there's a blessing in disguise here because you know Tyler Hero was playing not he was not playing great up until that Washington game. 
And I know, I know that they were at full strength in that Washington game, but every just this past week in general, we've seen a different level of, from Tyler Hero as in stepping up as a go-to scorer, and that's a big deal if he continues and they continue because of the guys who I'm going to talk about here. Well, Duncan, but of the you know these guys, he's. He's a guy whose role can continue to evolve within the Heat because he is a starter now, and he is a guy who can get a lot of touches and a lot of usage. And I think seeing the ball go through the basket as much as it as it did over these last few games is a, is just a helpful thing for a young guy who, you know, when he really exploded, it was in the bubble. It wasn't traveling around in giant arenas with no fans. So I think even in losses and in the Washington wins, seeing, knowing that he can take over when he needs to is a positive thing. And I think it's going to help him going forward the rest of the year to have this stretch of games. Even if it dips, obviously it's going to dip. He's not going to average 30. But when the, when Jimmy and those guys come back, I still think the opportunity is there because as I've harped on forever on this show and other shows, Jimmy Butler doesn't want to be assertive to score. He will score the ball, but the opportunity to develop into 1A as a scorer for the Heat or or you know, 1A or 1B or whatever it is is there. And I think having games like this not only for him but for guys seeing him do this in an NBA, they know he can do it, but seeing him do it it, it goes a long way. So I think Big week for Tyler. Uh, really liked what I saw out of him and his development, even just in a few games. Um, the other, I mean, obviously the other, the next guy that really stepped up in a tough situation over the last two games, especially who the, the Heat had to go up against, is Precious. Uh, back-to-back double-doubles, uh, 13 and a half and 12 rebounds, in in per game over these last two games and that's up against Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard. I mean, if you watch the game, you can see how much development physically that Precious is going to have to go through over you know over the next however long, but it's going to take a little while because he looks small next to those guys. But that being said, he has a motor he had his athleticism is off the charts and he did some things he crashes the offensive glass he plays defense he plays hard he has incredible hands around the rim um and he had a play in the second Philly game tonight's game that after I'm, that I'm recording after and where uh, the heat had the got an offense it got it in transition and uh precious was the trail and he came flying in, and he got a pass towards the top of the key, and Euro stepped around Joel Embiid for a layup. Uh, it was very impressive. It was an athletic move that I didn't necessarily think that Precious had in his arsenal of offensive weapons this early in his career. Um, so really uh, excited to see his development. He obviously still has a long way to go in a lot of other spots because he had opportunities to take even a 10 foot jumper and he wouldn't take it. But we were saying that about Bam early in his career too. So that doesn't matter. Um, but even like 
driving to the rim. I think he can already do it. I just don't know that he's confident in doing it. But you saw him do more because obviously he was forced into that role and he played really well. Back-to-back double-doubles for that kid against a guy who is an early season MVP candidate in Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard, who regardless of what he is or isn't in his career, still a monster of a human and one of the best rebounders and shot blockers to ever play the game. And another impressive part about it is he didn't foul out. I mean, or get in foul trouble, or really get in foul trouble. I mean, Precious is not a true center. He's a probably a four who's going to play some five. And he was starting for the first time against one of the best centers in the NBA and one of the best, one of the biggest and most imposing centers in NBA history in Dwight Howard. And he could have easily gotten into foul trouble, not played a ton of minutes, but he was able to be disciplined and play these games, which that says something in itself. It, It just says that he's a little more mature than your typical rookie. He's a little more ready than your typical rookie. And... Uh, you know that that is that is a huge thing for the Heat as well because the Heat don't really have any bigs. Yeah. Outside, you know, Myers Leonard didn't play; he was hurt, and he hasn't been playing anyway. And you got Bam and Kelly Olynyk. The Heat are small, and they're going to need everything they can get from Precious moving forward. So it's good to see him get you know meaningful minutes against starting rotations and playing well. Um, Duncan Robinson just continued to do what Duncan Robinson does. But I think you also got to see over these last two games, a back-to-back 20-point games, uh, which is in a similar way to Tyler, I think flying under the radar a little bit about Duncan is that he had 20, he, he had 20 plus points in the second game of the season. And then he went, I think four of the four, it was four of the next six games he scored in, in single digits. It's not like he's been scoring in bunches or getting a making a ton of shots in games. Um, you know, against Boston, he went five of eleven from three, and then against OKC in the win against OKC uh, a little over a week ago, he went four of ten. But the th- the three games before that, one three, two threes, one three. He hit three threes in the first game of the season uh, against Washington on Saturday. He was two for eight. So these past two games. He hit six threes in the first Philly game, and then tonight he went four for eight. So he's hit 10 threes over the past two games, which uh, there's obviously no concern about Duncan as a shooter. But I think when I watch you know, Duncan, my hope for him is for his game to develop to the way Joe Harris's game has developed in Brooklyn. Uh, Joe Harris has developed into... A, a player who you don't just he he's not just a catch and shoot guy although he is one of the best shooters in the league he can get to the rim he has a mid-range game he's a decent passer he's shown a little bit of athleticism he's don't he can do a little bit more than your typical catch and shoot guy and i think over the last couple games and even early in this year and a little bit in the bubble duncan has shown uh he had a he had a nice you know floater in the paint tonight against Philly he's shown his ability to play and dribble handoffs and you know cut and get to the rim and 
shoot the shooting the getting you know getting layups at the rim off the dribble. So I think these past two back to back twenty point games are good for him because he's gotten the oper in it generally. He's not going to get a ton of opportunities to have the ball in his hands as much as he's had it over the last couple games. So it builds confidence in his a bit to even for him to have that opportunity to know that he's going to get more touches because generally, you know, you got to work for your touches and they work to get him touches, but he is the third, fourth, fifth option sometimes, depending on the lineup. He's there to stretch the floor, understandably so. But in a game like this, where everyone's out and he's one of your better scorers, it's good to see him, you know, rise up to the moment, go nine of fourteen from the field tonight against Philly, and then last game go eight of eighteen, but six of fourteen from three. It's again, it's in a similar vein to what I said about Tyler. When Jimmy Butler, Goron, and Bam are out, the Sixers know they they're saying. Well, we got to stop Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero because those are the two guys. And both guys still able to play really, really well despite the game plan from the other team almost certainly queuing in on those two guys. So that's that's pretty impressive for two young guys that are two core guys that as the raw as we still try to figure out what the fit is with other players or what the future is for this roster it's good to see that potentially there is a little bit more to each of their game that can develop that we haven't already seen Uh, and then the last guy i think that i want to talk about and i think a lot of heat fans are talking about after these last two games is gabe vincent uh guy doesn't play i mean he's just not he doesn't get minutes and understand, and, and I don't think anyone expected him to get minutes this year. Uh, he's been on the he's been on the team now. For, this is his second year on the team, uh, and he this is only his third game playing this year. Obviously, second game starting. He played in nine games last year, but obviously only in scrap minutes. Tonight, Gabe Vincent twenty one back to back twenty point games, twenty one in this game. Uh, last game, I think he had 24. I'm double checking as I'm talking. 24 last game. He's hit eight threes over the past two games. Uh, and while the percentage isn't incredibly high, it's that he went eight of 22. Uh, it's 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 good. It, it you'll take it. And I think more importantly than anything, the when we talk about the next man up thing, the fact that this guy. He's 24 years old. He's not like a kid kid, but he's still young. Um, only been in the league for a year. Uh, to the way he looks on the floor, he just looks comfortable. Like if you, if you were a casual Miami Heat fan or not a Heat fan at all, uh, if you were just a fan of – if you, let's say you were a Philly fan and you watched this game and you hadn't seen Miami play this year, and then you watch Gabe Vincent, you'd be like, oh, man, okay. This, so they're not missing all of their best players. They're not missing all their rotation guys because this guy can this guy can play. Because uh, he just looked comfortable out there. He looked like he, there was never any hesitation. He was gunning. I mean, he was taking shots. He had the green light, obviously. And he looked so comfortable within the offense. And then tonight in tonight's game against Philly, in the second game, seven assists. Uh, so I, 
he looks like a guy who eight assists, sorry, eight assists, uh, just looks like a guy who, now he's one of those guys I was talking about that when everyone's back and the rotation is right, I think you almost certainly should expect not to see him play probably maybe at all. But I, but what I do think is there's a possibility the way he played because he was scoring in pick and rolls. He was scoring as a catch and shoot. He was able to get to the rim. He scored. He showed that he actually has the ability to score at multiple levels and handle the ball, run the point, and and get his teammates obviously involved with the eight assists. So he won't play. But in the scenarios where you might have seen Kendrick Nunn play in the past, I think there's a possibility that you could see Gabe Vincent be that guy. Because when you look at what the Heat need from that position, from that third point guard, that guy who can come in and get and get you uh, points, it, it might be a situational thing. But Kendrick Nunn is a guy who you he needs to have the ball in his hands and he's a one-on-one scorer. Gabe Vincent showed that he could fit into almost any lineup with the heat with any combination of players because he can shoot the ball. He could play in pick and rolls and he can score at multiple levels. Whereas Kendrick Nunn, he's not a very good shooter. What you probably want from him is when he's at his best, he's playing in pick and rolls or he's playing in ISO and he's scoring on other players one-on-one. So, I don't know that either of them has a ton of minutes in their immediate future, but Gabe Vincent may have played himself into some minutes, spot minutes down the line in a situation that maybe Kendrick Nunn would have played in. And we'll see how it goes down the line, but it's good to see that you have a a fourth point guard on your roster who can give you 34 minutes, 21 points against one of the better teams in the East. So look, overall, of course, you you don't want to be four and six, 10 games into the season. Uh, it's not a good place to be. You, you, you can't look at the playoffs 10 games into the season because it is only 10 games. But I don't think any Heat fan or the Heat could look at four and six just coming off of an NBA championship run uh, or an NBA finals run, I should say, and be happy with it. To, they haven't. The Heat have not won two games in a row yet this year, um, and like I mentioned off the top, this is the first time they've lost two games in a row. It's been win loss, win loss, win loss, which is which is also sort of a positive because they haven't had a losing streak. It's just been win loss, win loss. But they really, and I think I mentioned this last week, the Heat really need a little run here. They they got to string together some wins, back to back, three wins in a row, something to get this thing going because the on off on off on off it, you know it, a you're just you're you're you eventually you're going to get to the point where you're teetering with what seed are you going to be and the i think they're out to prove that they weren't a fluke last year and all of this but if you go into the fi- the playoffs this year in the in the Eastern Conference much improved as a 5 seed again it is going to be tougher than last year to make the type of run that they made. It just is. It's it's just the facts. When we'll talk about part of why, but in a, in a, I'll talk about part of why in a moment. But it just is what it is. The the East got better. I've talked about it a few times. Now, luckily, 
the next four games, the Heat are hoping they've they said it a few times on the broadcast, and uh, we'll see what happens. But the Heat are hoping that this weekend some of these guys they get some of these guys back, right? Jimmy, Bam, Goron. They're hoping to get some of these COVID guys back, at least a few of them. And if they can, and if they do, you're looking at your next four games, two games against Detroit and two games against Toronto. Detroit is not a good team. Detroit could potentially be the worst team in the NBA. I've watched a lot of games this year. I've watched almost every team multiple times. There is a shot that Detroit is the worst team in the NBA this year. Uh, So... If you even get one, if you get a if you get Bam or Jimmy back, the way the Heat played against Philly, obviously you want depth. You want to get Avery Bradley back. You want to get more guys. But if you can even get Bam or Jimmy back, assuming that they're not tired or whatever from whatever's been going on, it's very realistic at home to to beat Detroit back to back. And then you're on the road against Toronto, but it's in Tampa. It's not, and it's no fans. It's not in Toronto. And Toronto, now while they, they won tonight, so they are now 3-8, and eight, they have one of the worst records in the NBA, and they are a bad team this year. They just are. Uh, something's not right with them. They're not deep. They lost Marcus Gasol. They lost Serge Ibaka. They overpaid guys that probably don't necessarily... I mean, the market they, they're getting what the market dictates, but they probably shouldn't necessarily have gotten what they got. And they're not a very good team this year. So there's an opportunity if the Heat get healthy to to string together some wins here. And they really need it. Uh, so it's, it's a good part of the schedule because then the following weekend at Brooklyn twice. And by then, who knows what will be happening with one of their guys, but James Harden will be playing for them. So that's a good play to pivot off of this week from, from the Heat. And talk about what the, you know, obviously the biggest news in the NBA this week was the James Harden trade. And just to quickly recap what the deal was, for those of you who don't know all the details, uh, obviously James Harden's been requesting a trade uh, all year in the offseason. And he, you know, the Heat were very much in play. They were one of the teams on his list, but really he's been wanting to go to the Nets. And yesterday he got his wish. Uh, James Harden is traded to the Nets. Uh, Karis Levert. So it's a, it was a fourteen. It ended up being a four-team deal. The Nets traded away Karis Levert, Jared Allen, and some other and a bunch of draft picks. Um, Victor Oladipo got traded from the Pacers to the Rockets. The Rockets, who got Karis Levert, traded Karis Levert to the Pacers. So Oladipo's on the Rockets. Harden's on the Nets. Karis LeVert is on the Pacers, and then the Nets sent, you know, their next 30 first-round picks to the Rockets. So what does that mean? Uh, for the Nets, they get the guy that they've sort of coveted. They've, for now, for a long time, they it seemed pretty clear that they wanted a third star to go with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. However, also, if you've been paying attention to the NBA, you know Kyrie Irving has not played for four games. And 
they don't know when he's coming back, which is the most absurd, arguably the most absurd storyline that I think I've heard in my life, potentially. Uh, definitely since I was working in the NBA, I spent six years working in the NBA. And since that, I've not heard anything like a player. We don't know what's going on with him. He broke the COVID protocols potentially with the video that came out there investigating him. Steve Nash seemingly has not spoken to Kyrie Irving. So they went out and they traded two of their better players in Jared Allen and Kyrie Irving for James Harden, or excuse me, uh, Jared Allen and Karis LeVert to get James Harden. Now, look, I know that a lot of common fans that don't watch games and don't watch as necessarily as much basketball look at James Harden they hear the narratives about him and what's happened and I understand he's been a a bad teammate in Houston this year um and they see the pictures on Twitter he looks like he's a giant he looks out of shape they they hear he likes strip clubs and all that stuff and they think oh it's not going to work but let me just tell you he's wild He's a little bit wild this year. Kyrie is Kyrie. But if those three players are together, that's going to be a hard team to beat. That is going to be a hard team to beat. They have some things to figure out defensively. They have a first-year head coach. But there's no team more naturally gifted and talented than those guys with those three players if they're all together. I will say this. If Kyrie Irving, some for some reason, does not come back and play basketball this year, Oof, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're still a really good team, but they are not deep. They lost their best defensive player. They're playing a shell of DeAndre Jordan at center. It, it's not I, – I don't necessarily love it if Kyrie Irving's not coming back, especially because they mortgage their future. Um, and I, but, I, but as far as the Heat go, in terms of that deal, um, James Harden's off the table now, so now the question becomes – what happens with Bradley Beal if the Wizards keep being awful? And are the Heat do the Heat potentially get in the mix? And is the going rate for Brad Beal going to be players and four first-round picks, which it seems is the going rate for a star now? That will be fascinating to watch as the, the season develops because the Wizards are very bad and Bradley Beal does deserve to be on a good team. And I know that Heat fans would love to have Bradley Beal. Um, so we'll see what happens with... Brooklyn. We'll see if Kyrie ever plays again, but we will get Miami versus Brooklyn twice, not this weekend, but the following weekend. And by that time, James Harden will be in a Brooklyn Nets jersey and it'll be in Brooklyn. So those will be very interesting games. The Heat should be at full strength by then. Can't wait for that. And I think under the radar in all of this is Karis LeVert going to the Pacers. By the way, yes, the Heat swept them last year in the playoffs. Um, understandably, Victor Oladipo didn't look very good. That team was injury-riddled. They're playing great basketball right now, and Karis LeVert fits with Indiana better than I think Oladipo did at the moment. So, And they still don't have TJ Warren back. So it just to say that the East continues to get better, and we need to see the Heat probably get it together a little bit as well. And I would anticipate... At some point between now and trade deadline, the Heat are going to pull some type of move. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Brad Beal. I don't know if it's another Jay Crowder type of player. I don't know what it is. 
but I would be shocked seeing the arms race that continues to go on in the Eastern Conference and across the league in general, um, but particularly in the East with teams continuing to reload and restock, I don't see Pat Riley just sitting back and not doing everything to compete. So one guy out, a guy that I think a lot of Heat fans didn't want in James Harden, now we'll see who the next guy up is, or we'll see maybe the Heat stay Pat. But I'll tell you, if they don't start to string together some wins here, which I think this next week would be a good time for, and I think they have a good shot at, we may see something happen. That's just total speculation. I don't know. I'm not an insider. I don't have any sources. That's just my thought. But I've watched the NBA, and I worked in the NBA. I've seen it go a long time, especially with the Heat. So we'll see. But like I said, next four games, two at home, Saturday and Monday versus Detroit. Next Wednesday at Toronto. Next Wednesday night will be the next podcast I will drop after that Toronto game. We'll see. Hopefully we're on a three-game win streak. Hopefully everybody's back from the COVID situation. And hopefully the NBA gets their shit together. And we have some more competitive games. And teams aren't playing with eight players. And we get through the season. And then maybe there's a bubble in the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. But let's just start with beating Detroit twice and then beating the Raptors twice. Is that too much to ask Miami? I don't think so. I think you all want to see it. So until next week, I will see you after the Toronto game. And as always, never, ever forget. Heat Nation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.